You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Thank you for listening to another episode of Grit and Grace. And today we are recording at the Elevated Wellness, is it a conference? Nikki, I think it's called conference. We're a conference. Oh, Elevated Wellness. Conference. Okay, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to go with conference. (laughs) I'll stick with that. We're going to go with conference. Um, This is Tom I'm your host, and I have Nikki Furr with me today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. The best part about today is we are talking about cannabis in the medical community. And although most of my listeners, those of you that listen to the show on a regular basis, are not necessarily a part of the medical community, I know that many of you are patients, you are um, patrons, you are customers, you are people that are interested in learning more about how cannabis can, A, not only improve your health and your wellness, but really just think about what the cannabis industry as a whole has done to our society. And I know that we have talked about this on this podcast before, but we have not had a Nikki before. (laughs) Um, Nikki is a lawyer. She's a product developer and author of A Woman's Guide to Cannabis, Using Marijuana to Feel Better, Look Better, and Get High Like a Lady. And this fabulous book, first of all, it feels good. Uh You made a good book. Yeah, and I cannot take any credit for that. That's 100% the publisher. Workman um, makes really great, pretty books, and they did a great job on that. I love it. And um, I just heard you speak, so you did the opening remarks for today's conference. Thank you very much for that. That was excellent. Thank you. And I liked the fact that you said this book is, is really for beginners. Yes, yes. This is for anybody walking in the dispensary for the first time who has no idea what products are behind the counter what's going on, what they should get. This is just to, it's like when you went into Starbucks for the first time in the 90s and didn't know how to order a cappuccino. This is giving you all the lingo and all the definitions and everything you need to know to get the coffee that you want. I love that. And I also like the fact that you have included like recipes in here. Mm -hmm. And my my head um, actually just kind of went, oh, brownies. I recently made brownies for a friend. Um, but it, it didn't. It wasn't that kind of magical brownies. It was a different kind of magical brownies. But I have thought about how I can infuse and make my own edibles. So mm-hmm. I think that that's interesting. So I'm excited. I haven't read your book yet because I just got a copy now. But um, I'm going to check that out. There are a lot of recipes in there. I wanted some people just like to make their own at home. Some of us want doses that are different than what's available in the dispensary. Um, and some people just like making their own brownies. So I, I wanted to sort of go over the different methods and ways you could do it. So let's take it back a little bit. So this is interesting. Not only are you a lawyer, but you are a product specialist and you are helping other companies. And have you been traveling around to help develop products for other businesses in other parts of the United States? I, I, I do. There is some travel involved in that. Basically, you're the project manager that's keeping the food scientist and cosmetic chemist and the client and the packaging designer all together on the same page. Um, so basically, I'm more like a ringleader that comes up with the idea and then has to get everyone to sort of do their part to get it out there. So, How did you get there? How, like, what was your process to get to that place in 
in life to do that work? I enjoy experimenting with making things at home. Um, and then I enjoyed creating a product line for a client in, uh, in the Midwest. We did an entire product line, um, concentrates, topicals, edibles, new strains. And I just, that's my favorite part. I've, I've, I think I've had every job in the marijuana industry except for like security. Um, and that, that's what I like the most is making the new product and coming up with, this is how we make it even better than what we had it before. I have not been in dispensaries in Denver in five years. Um, and in those five years, the edibles, have, the chocolate is so much better. Things taste so much better. Things are packaged so much better. Um, they're, they're dead. This we're at the beginning. There's room to improve. Um, and it's fun to make neat new stuff. And so where does the law degree come in? Like how, like what, what, <laughs> when and, okay, when and where? So how did you end up starting as a lawyer before you went into the cannabis industry? Okay, so what happens is people tell you like, oh, you can do anything with a law degree. They don't follow that up with like, you can do anything without a law degree too. I, <laughs> uh, I had had, the, back to the very beginning, I had uh, gone to a, a publishing course at Columbia University in New York in the summer of 2001. Um, so then September of 2001, um, the expected like, oh, I'm going to get an entry level job in publishing and live in Manhattan didn't really, didn't look like it was going to work out so well. Um, so 9-11 sort of sent me back to St. Louis and I did not know what else to do. So I law school applications, law school, law, here's the thing, law school applications don't have any math. That's how people get suckered into law school. There's, oh, my there's goodness. There's math on the GRE. So if you want to do anything other than law school, you've got to get a decent score in the math section, and I can't. So the law school application is just reading comprehension and logic. That's easy. I can do that all day. <laughs> oh and there's goodness. no math. They don't make you do any math oh, in law school. Oh, that's hilarious. So how many years of school was that then? Three. Three full years and a lot of tuition. Yeah, so. Three full years just, and a lot just, of I did not know what else to do with myself. And, and then you took the bar? Yeah, and then I took the, and then it, the first day of law school, I knew that was not my path, and I was going to go back to publishing. So I took the New York bar, um, and don't live in New York anymore. So uh, I can't go to court anywhere except New York. And have you thought of like, do you need your first of all, do you need your law degree in anything you do right now? I mean, technically, no. I do do compliance, but compliance is basically like just be nice to your inspector. It's not you don't need to be a lawyer to really do the compliance. Follow the rules. That's compliance. Um, so technically, no. And I am not. You, people in the marijuana industry do need corporate lawyers. Mm -hmm. We need litigation lawyers. Mm -hmm. I am not one of those lawyers. You don't want me doing real lawyer stuff. So <laughs> how come? Uh, it's just not paperwork. Is not my thing. Yeah, it's just not fun to me. I would rather create a new hand cream than than uh, do the paperwork for the hand cream. So tell me what it was like starting out, like at the beginning of. The bottom level of the industry, like what? What is that? You were a grower, you were a trimmer, you like yeah. worked with the plant itself at yeah. the start. I wanted to know really how everything works. Um, I wanted to know what was necessary and what wasn't, and and all of it. So I started trimming. I was a bud tender. I oh, bud tender—that's the word. I always yeah. forget that word. I love that word so much. I don't know why. Bud tender. I know it's one of my favorites. I know they, it's a good word. They tried in Illinois. They were like, we need a more professional term for people that were, I was like, this is a retail job and you're selling weed. Like, let's yeah, just be let's reasonable just here. Let's the bud tender. Right. Yeah. Bud tender is such a fun word. It and is fun. I like it. It's as good as barista. And so oh, I'm yeah, fine with yeah. that. Me too. 
Me too. Okay, so I was a bud tender. Yeah. So that, but that, does that feel like it got you really in touch with the plant itself? I think so. I because I I understand how the process works now for different products and what you can do and what you can't do, um, and what if you want to make a certain product, you need bubble hash instead of CO two oil, um, and different extraction methods. And um, once you get into sort of processing the plant, but also processing it in a way that makes it the most medicinally beneficial, not just breaking it up into its parts and saying, okay, here's CBD over here and THC over here, but keeping all of the benefits together and still giving it um, to people in a way that makes it easy for them to take. I would love to have um, more products for people with seizures Mm -hmm. um, just because some of those kids are on feeding tubes Mm -hmm. and these seizure moms are putting cannabis oil in their feeding tubes. Mm -hmm. They need a better, they need a better medicine. So it's fun to be a part of that. Yeah, because is there? There's not a lot of formulas out there to follow on how to make the most medicinally effective product. There's not a. Right. I mean, we're still in groundbreaking times for right. trying to determine what parts of the plant, what combinations actually have the most benefit. Right, and you want people to keep studying the plant, keep innovating, and creating new extraction methods and new cultivation methods, and you want it as clean as possible. And um, there's always room for improvement, and just. What I've seen in Colorado in the last five years, I mean, things have gotten so much better. Um, it's really, we need to keep innovating just to make things safer. Look at the vape pens. Um, there's basically one way to make a good vape pen. Um, but the thing is, to make it that way, to buy the machine to make it, you have to have a license. Mm. So if you don't have a license to process cannabis, you can't buy the CO2 machine. So mm. you have to come up with alternative ways to make vape pens, and now we have people getting sick from them. So... Um, There are some things we know is the best way to do it. It's just we need a little bit more regulation to keep it under control. Right. And um, I heard you talking a few minutes ago. I I may have been over... O- o- overhearing you, I may have been like eavesdropping. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but I loved the conversation you were talking about the difference between hemp and and cannabis plants. Yes. Can you explain? Just maybe give us an overview of that conversation that you just had, because I don't think that the average person really understands. I mean, I, I think that the conception is hemp is a part of the cannabis plant that people are not using, but I don't think that that's accurate. That's the uh, no hemp. Um, the hemp plant grows very tall and very skinny and has stalks on it and fiber. There's fiber in a hemp plant. There's not flower. It's a completely different. And, and honestly, you can't grow them next to each other because they will cross-pollinate and make a mess. Um, if you are trying to make money off of CBD and you don't mind um, the lack of botany definitions bet- behind hemp and cannabis, then maybe use those words interchangeably. But I, they are separate plants with different They're totally uses. separate plants. A hemp plant yes. and, um, and a marijuana plant are different. Yeah. And what do you mean when you say they can cross-pollinate and cause um, a mass? Like, how, like, what would happen? What would be the result? You would not get cannabis flowers off of one. You wouldn't get hemp fibers off of the other. You would get nothing. You like, you'd get hybrid. Of, yeah. You'd just get green. Yeah, yeah. You would have a hermaphrodited mess is what you'd <laughs> have. Um, it's... I am all in favor of everybody getting their hands on cannabis as quickly as possible. Um, but that doesn't mean we have to create CBD only products and call it hemp and go around the market and the regulations and the lab testing and everything else. I just, in the last few years, I've seen a lot of CBD only products that are not sold in dispensaries and haven't been lab tested. God only knows what's in them. 
Um, yeah, where, like, what happens if that's, like, how is that getting monitored? It's if, not. Mm. It's desperate people that want uh, cannabis products with THC and CBD, um, but... And in Colorado, everyone has access to that, but not every state does. If you go other places where they don't have dispensaries yet, um, you've just got CBD only. I would call them snake oil salesmen, but I know that inflames people. Um, yeah, so you can have artificial products. I mean, they're not yeah, 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 swooping in and taking advantage of very sick people, and it just drives me crazy. Yeah. So, how many states right now can you buy um, CBD and cannabis in? Um, over the counter. Uh, I want to say 33 have medical. Is that the right number now? Yeah, something like that. But it's then, it's changing like all the eight time. Recreational? I don't I don't know the exact numbers, but, but as long as they've got like a that. decent medical right plan, they should be able to get a card and get into a dispensary. And do you find that um, there are a lot of people out there that are not getting access to the medical grade um, product that they need? Or are we kind of past that? Because I think about, you know, Charlotte's Web, right? The the big mm. first main big story and which hits close to home for me because I have a 21 year old son, 21 year old son. And when he was between the ages of three and 11, he had seizures and we lived in Toronto at the time. There was absolutely no access to anything cannabis related at all. And I, you know, I just follow that story because I felt like I knew what it was like as a parent to not have options. Now that's, that was an extreme case, but I also know that when you know that your child is experiencing something that you can't control, that every time it happens could potentially cause brain damage, mm -hmm. it's a big deal because you're not just living in that moment. You're living in the moment. What happens 20 years from now? Like what, I mean, you are, you're ending the possibilities of their life from being full. Um, so it hit close to home for me. So mm -hmm. back then it was very difficult for them to get access to to Colorado to get a job, to get the product, and they made their way around it, but it definitely made national news. I think there was a documentary made about it. Is that kind of issue still out there now, or are people solving that? Absolutely. I mean, that as we go state to state and open up new medical um, programs, I guess is the word, in each new state, more people get access. But yeah, until we've got, honestly, federal deregulation and federal legalization, um, everyone is still gonna struggle to find good stuff. Although I will say in Illinois, not to brag, um, but in Illinois, we have very strict cultivation laws, mm. regulations in Illinois, very strict processing regulations. Um, the Colorado guys that came to Illinois had to learn some new tricks to really? pass the lab testing in Illinois um, because the requirements were very strict. And, and now Illinois has very expensive cannabis medicine but it is the best really it is clean it is loaded with all of the cannabinoids and terpenes that you want um it's processed cleanly there's nothing added to it there's no solvents there's no additives um i know my vape pen is fine yeah i don't have to worry about it because i i see the lab testing on every package um that's not true in every state california now with their new recreational that they started in 2018, California's rules now are very similar to Illinois. Um, they had to get pretty strict with the lab testing and cultivation. So, and now their products are very expensive, um, but also very clean and safe and effective. Um, at this point in the evolution of cannabis legalization, that's where we're at. If it's good and it's clean and it's effective, it's going to be pricey. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it works. Right. And so hopefully everybody someday will get sort of not as expensive, good, clean medicine available to everyone. But it's another five or 10 years before we're there. Do you think that the federal regulations will change fast enough for consumers and the business of cannabis, because this is a, this is a whole new sector that's opened up. People mm-hmm. don't often, you know, the one thing I'll talk about, I've talked about on this podcast, which I'll say now, is that people don't often realize that the cannabis industry itself has changed business and economic development in so many cities. Right. I mean, we're not right. just talking the retail store. That's what people think is that, oh my gosh, the store is up now and they're selling marijuana. Well, yeah, they're employing people mm-hmm. to do that. They're employing managers and they're employing grow teams to oversee it. There's now new jobs at the government level that are p- providing compliance and providing oh, oversight. inspectors are well paid. Right. I mean, but there's actually, you want to hear a funny story? Sure. Um, I was doing some work with Mayor Hogan, the late Mayor Hogan in the city of Aurora. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they oh, they used to not like it. Yeah, but when they rolled out the marijuana enforcement division at the city, I was there the day they put the sign up on the wall, and it was the most interesting thing because it felt like I looked around me and there was like nobody around as they're like drilling the holes, and I'm like, I feel like this is like a date that should go like in yeah. the records because this is a big deal. A city like a, a city hall building now had a marijuana enforcement division. Isn't that amazing? I love it. I know that was so cool. Um. But do you think that do you think that times will change fast enough t- for people to start to recognize this as a really viable, you know, commodity in cities and 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 make it a better flow between the state and national governing bodies? I mean, at this point, this is America. Money makes the world go round. I think the question of when is it going to be federally legal is a question for an MBA at this point, not a lawyer. Mm. There are lots of money guys predicting and betting a lot of money on when that's going to pass. That I don't know. Um, I did not think this country was capable of what we pulled in the last presidential election. So I'm no longer guessing at what we're going to do in the polls. I'm done. America broke me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) This is true. But America also stepped up to the plate and approved marijuana in a variety of ways. Which, if you would have asked me 20 years ago if I ever actually thought that that was possible, Mm -hmm. I I would not have said yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that we have made some major strides. And now that it's legal in Canada as well, medically, I think that there is just such a shift happening in people's perception Mm -hmm. at, at at a high level. But at a tactical working level... I mean, I still feel like that there's a very large quantity of people that um, were still there are still carrying the stigma. I mean, maybe it's going to be my children's generation that will not carry the stigma of what marijuana is in terms of medicine versus it being equivalent to something like alcohol, which is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, that's going to change because that stigma is still there, and that has been changing a lot. And that, yeah. my mother is in her seventies and a good Catholic. Is it mass every morning? Um, and it's more conservative than I would like her to be. And so are all of her friends. And man, they love their weed. Um, really? They have no problem with it at all. It makes them feel better. Done. These are, remember, these are baby boomers. These are baby boomers that are now getting these chronic illnesses and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and everything else. Baby boomers are okay with this. Um, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that really is... Baby boomers entering, you know, Medicare and Medicaid, I think really is what has set some of this acceptance in motion. They're fine with it. 
Some of these little yeah. ladies come in, they remember Acapulco Gold, strains from like the 60s. That's hilarious. They remember. They haven't had it since then, but they know. That's hilarious. Well, and if we think about the tax on our, our federal system with our aging populations, that, that facet alone that, and I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but I know that our largest population, our largest age population is soon going to be the ages of 65 plus. You know, just on in terms of healthcare and, and what marijuana can do to lower the costs of healthcare to improve quality of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, people that suffer from Alzheimer's and, you know, serious different types of detriments to the brain and the body, they suffer. And we have a solution to that. So I I think that that's federally going to start to make an impact as that population, that largest population we have gets older. Absolutely. Women past the age of 75 have an average of four chronic conditions. Um, And those aren't just the chronic conditions. Those are also the side effects of the medications they're taking and then the side effects of those conditions. So a lack of sleep, too much stress, all of those things that marijuana sort of fixes for us really helps that population more than anything else. Mm. And and on, I've seen a lot of seniors super excited about the marijuana. There are mm-hmm. bus trips now from nursing mm-hmm. homes to dispensaries where they can learn stuff. In Illinois, we had um, a nursing home for dementia patients. It, it was private, so all the kids signed off. So everybody got cannabis oil. And they had same-day responses that were just out of this world. Amazing. And so you say that you wrote this book for your mom. Yeah, yeah, and and her friends, too. And her friends, yeah, so they could learn the basics. And so... Tell people where can they find the book, and I um, I want to just let everybody know that this is this is an important thing. You know, if you're not sure, one thing that Nikki told us in her opening remarks is that if you're not sure about what to try or how to go about it, the answer is to try. You know, like 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 try 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 an edible. Um, you know, smoke it, try it. You know, look at different options that you have, and then educate yourself on what the you know what the products are and. And find a dispensary near you. And I know that a lot of our listeners are not, are not located in Colorado. So if you are not in a state where you have access to that, well, let's just hope that you do soon. <laughs> or, you know, Frontier Airlines. Frontier Airlines. Or, yeah, I mean, day trips are always good. There's a lot of states that aren't too far away. <laughs> and on, honestly, my best advice, and this is in the book, is to find a good bun tender is like a good hairstylist. You need, you, it's not the dispensary so much, it's the bud tender. It's the, they know the products and they understand you and what you're going through and what you're looking for. If you find one that, that you mesh with, stick with that bud tender. So how do you find a bud tender? You, and that's, it's, it's, it's like finding a good bartender that knows how to make a perfect martini. You just have to go meet all of them. You gotta go all the places. Okay. You gotta go to all the places. Okay. Go all over. Um, in Colorado, you can go to many dispensaries in a day. In Illinois, all of us. With a medical card, we have to tell the state which dispensary we go to. We can't switch to a different one unless we send in a form. Oh, really? Yes. So, but still, we send in the form, switch around, um, experiment a little, talk to them, let them get to know you. Mm. Tell them what you're going through, if you're having insomnia, if you're having nausea. Um, they they know those conditions, but they also know their products mm-hmm. and what's come in and what edible everybody's complained about and what edible everybody's raving about and, and trust them just like you trust a waiter to know the specials. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of, they... they 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 will be able to direct you to good stuff. So nice. That that's my best advice is to trust your good bud under. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Tell people where they can find you on oh, social media. And the social media, all the stuff is get high like a lady, at whatever it is. Um, and the book is available everywhere. Books are sold, 
it's on Amazon, but it is also at independent bookstores mm, nice. where you should be purchasing books. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> shop local. Yeah, I don't have to bang right. that drum as hard anymore, but yeah. I still bang that drum. Yeah. Um, well, because you used to own a bookstore. We yeah. forgot. We didn't get into that part at all. I mean, there's so much we could talk well, about. And that's, yeah, why I wrote the book. I used to own an independent bookstore. Yeah. I'm used to be able to hand, hand you a book after we talk about something. Um, so that's why I wrote the book, because I didn't have anything to give to people. So, yeah, go to your independent bookstore. A lot of dispensaries are starting to carry the book, too. So That's great. Good basic information. And people can find you on social media at Get High Like a Lady? Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you. We are back at the Elevated Wellness Conference, and I'm excited to have Dr. Getty with me now. Thanks for joining me. You're so welcome. Thank you. This has been a really interesting conference so far. I mean, we've been covering a range of topics from, you know, what medical practitioners need to know to embrace or bring cannabis more into their practice. But we've also been talking about where the gaps are between what patients know, what patients have access to, because the audience today is actually not just the medical community, which I think that we both thought that there was going to be the majority of today's audience being in the medical field, but I think we have a lot of patient or at least patient perspectives. So I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to have you with me. Um, You are a Stanford-trained clinical pathologist and award-winning researcher in chemistry and biology, and you worked five years in the pharmaceutical industry as a director and consultant. And then in 2013, you decided that you knew you could make a huge change in the patient's lives and paths. Um, this was 2003, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, they, they could. But your patients could greatly benefit from non-pharmaceutical therapies, right? So yes. you so you left that field and you pursued the more holistic approach to medical care, yes. um, which was around cannabis. At that time, it wasn't yet around cannabis. So my epiphanies took place in two stages, I, I would oh, guess. Oh, right. That's, I would say. You went whole health. I went whole health. And mm. I was looking at uh, hormone balancing, you know, bioidentical things that are already in the body that, um, you know, could, could help with uh, help patients when they're balanced. Um, uh, the uh, nutritional therapies and, and looking at lifestyle and, and exercise and so forth. So those are the areas that I looked at before even knowing that cannabis could be a medicine. Right. So, because I, if I think about whole health, I, I think it's one thing that has often been missed in especially women's mm-hmm. health, mm-hmm. because there's so many mm-hmm. different things that are going on in our bodies at the same time that if we compartmentalize a particular area at a particular time and not look at the whole picture yeah. and look at the natural ways that our bodies are capable of healing, mm-hmm. that we're missing a piece of the puzzle. You know, if you just look at one bucket uh, in isolation and not if it's balanced with another one, you can't, you can't say, well, this level is good and that level's good without checking how they are interrelated to each other. So it, yeah. it requires a more holistic approach so that the balancing of what you're doing is as important as having them all there mm. in effect. And you started, you started changing to this model in around 2003. Yeah, Exactly. I would like to think that we have come a long way since then in terms of the amount of practitioners that see mm-hmm. the body that way, although I, I fear we still have a long ways to go. That's right. There are more practitioners who call themselves integrative, which would mean in, including both conventional medical and more alternative practices. But then now this new term, actually, uh, of functional, where it's looking more at lifestyle 
Uh, I think there were the four different um, areas that one of the previous speakers was talking about, Dr. Gordon. Mm. Um, you know, eating, exercise, rest, and um, relationships. Mm. So I think in that way, I think the model has advanced uh, in that, again, this this new term of functional, meaning what you're doing, what how you're living your life is really important. So, um, so in that way, it's good. And there is more access. Uh, for example, acupuncture used to be considered by a lot of doctors to be just total, you know, hook them mm-hmm. and smoke and mirrors. But now those same doctors or, or perhaps their uh, successors will refer people to get chiro- uh, chiropractic and acupuncture. So I think right. there is a better attitude than certainly than when I was going through training back, um, well, back in the 80s at Stanford. I just remember one orthopedic yeah, saying chiropractors are quacks and you know, mm. just so I think we've made progress, but yes, still not integrated as much as many patients could benefit from. Seems. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that, I mean, it's interesting now because we've brought cannabis into the mix and that is, that's another piece that is, well, what we're learning today, of course, is transformative. This, yes. I mean, this plant that can be grown is transformative. And I know that there's a lot of people listening. They're going to say, I know, I know, you know, I need to learn more about cannabis. I need to not look at it as just weed. I need to mm-hmm. look at the healing practices. And the, the truth is, is that, you know, people have still not yet come to a full understanding of what it means, what, what the difference mm-hmm. is between hemp and CBD and um, THC. Like people don't really, in my opinion, the majority of people still don't get the it's facts. It's not kind of common It's knowledge. not common knowledge. And most yeah. of the people listening to the show are not medical practitioners. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are people that are still like me trying to figure it out and navigate their way. Um, and we spoke to Nikki first. So we, we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, how people can get started when they want to go on a journey of learning everything from scratch, mm-hmm. right? Because we're based in Colorado or me, the show. So I should say I'm based in Colorado, which means the show is based in Colorado. <laughs> you know, we, we have access to recreational and medical marijuana products and where to start is a hard process. So, okay. So let me take it back for you for a moment. So in 2003, you took the step to look at the whole body. Yes, to, to kind of change my paradigm right? And flip, and so flip the model. What happened after that and where did you go from there? I uh, developed my practice in terms of learning some of those therapies. So mm-hmm. I had, um, started seeing more patients, just kind of expanded my experience and uh, did incorporate the bioidentical hormone balancing as a special focus because when uh, you look at the hormone systems of the body, they're what I would call the big three. So thyroid is important for the metabolic level of every uh, cell in the body. The adrenals help modulate the thyroid. Without strong adrenals, the thyroid isn't going to work properly. Mm. And then the uh, third piece are those sex hormones, whether estrogen and progesterone in women or testosterone in men. So if those are not balanced and working together properly, a person isn't going to have their optimal health. So that was a real... um, those are real discoveries I felt that, again, that had never been discussed in medical school for me. And the difference between a chemicalized hormone, like, I mean, people were getting things uh, such as something called Prempro, which is a combination of a synthetic progesterone, which you can't even really call a progesterone anymore because of the bad side effects. And then the horse estrogens. I mean, these pharmaceuticals that were mm-hmm. given to women um, that didn't come from the human body, whereas they were, it was just as easy to make the natural compound estradiol or uh, estriol and still you know a lot of doctors don't know about that still but it seems to me that a lot more doctors do and there is a more uh, a greater demand for bioidentical hormone balancing for example and more practitioners that can do it so 
I have talked a lot about hormones on this podcast. I've brought in some specialists where we've really just started touching the tip of the iceberg and teaching other women what they need to know about hormones. In fact, I feel like you and I could do a whole show on hormones. We should do another show on hormones because I, I, I want. There's no way in one episode that we've ever had the chance in with my previous guests to really understand how a woman can understand it for themselves. Because I think that one of the important things that I advocate for is understanding your own health. Yeah. Like women, we need to understand our own health. We need to know interpreting your own signs, right? right. And, we, and, and we need to know what we don't know. Like, yeah. right? If there's, if there's, I'll give you an example. One thing that um, I know is, I'll use myself as an example. Like my family um, care practitioner at my yearly exam recently wouldn't test my testosterone level because she just said it's not necessary. Like everything's good. You're you're so healthy. Like you're great. You exercise. You eat well. Like you look great. It's, you're everything is. You're so healthy. Why do we find? need to do that? And I mm. said, well. Listen, I'm 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 aging and I I feel like I have to work a little harder yeah. to maintain muscle mass than I used to in the past. Mm-hmm. There's a few changes that I have felt in my own body and I, I feel like I want to do that. And she she kind of just said no. I mean in a really nice way. And I mm. t- you know, to learn that I could actually go to a clinic and you know, have my, my testosterone tested, Yes, that this is something I could do. It's not expensive. You know, we talk about this on a previous show. I, I think that I just think that people don't know this. Just knowing that it's the they case. They just don't even know that yep. it's possible. And, you know, I'm I'm going to embark on that journey for myself. And, and I appreciate that doctors like yourself are really taking into consideration the fact that there are so many different facets to what is happening in a woman's body. In our bodies. Right. And that we don't know about that. This is and this is new. 20 years ago, we were not talking about estrogen and testosterone mm. the way that we are now. And. People would laugh. Oh, right. you're going to balance your hormones. That's so funny. Right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that, isn't that interesting? And then look at the impact that has on our adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk quickly about adrenal glands. Explain to everybody what it is in a basic summary. Our adrenal glands are our first line of defense against stress. Mm. They let us do what we all heard about as the fight or flight response. But it's also just... Um, that, that reaction when something happens and you feel stressed and you get a surge of energy, that's your adrenals that are doing that and they're trying to put out hormones, put out substances that will allow our tissues to respond. So cortisol, which is the, the main stress hormone, it actually helps you maintain your blood sugar so you have enough uh, sugar in your blood to, to do, do what you need to do and it supports your blood pressure. If you don't have enough cortisol, uh, a, a person with no cortisol actually can't survive. Mm-hmm. So too much is not good, but not enough is really bad mm-hmm. too. A person can go into shock, have low blood sugar and low blood pressure, and actually go into shock and die if they don't have enough adrenal hormone. So we hear about cortisol as a bad hormone, but it's actually required for life in our bodies. Right. And so that balance, you know, that's a whole huge range from too little to too much. And how do you balance that and what causes that? And um, it's an interesting one because I think the adrenal glands are the ones that take the first hit in our way of life, you know, our lifestyles. It seems like uh, many people for decades burn the candle at both ends and they feel like that's what life is. Like you're supposed to be able to push and drive all the mm-hmm. time until they hit a point where they may say, I, I just can't do this anymore because now their adrenals have um, been working so hard that they just can't keep up anymore. Mm-hmm. So that the way I see that is now your adrenals have been keeping up and you have high cortisol levels, uh, which makes you feel stressed and um, it's not good for health, but you can keep going. But when the adrenals finally get exhausted, then it's just like, I can't even do that anymore. You just feel like you've got no resources. Um, so that's a lot of people, I think, experience that and, and may not realize that that's the life cycle or the life of their adrenal gland. 
um, you know, working hard and then just getting exhausted. And then at that point, a person really needs to try to figure out what's going on because then the thyroid hormone doesn't work right anymore and the balance is off if those adrenal hormones uh, are down, if the adrenals are exhausted. Do you think that being in that state of um, an exhausted adrenal Mm. system is the cause of inflammation and disease? Such a wonderful connection. Thank you. And I didn't mention that piece, right? So cortisol helps with stress, and it's also a a major anti-inflammatory, as people know who have been treated with steroids. It's Mm -hmm. the model for all the steroid treatments. Um, So if your cortisol is low... Uh, you, you have extra inf- inflammation. The immune system gets out of balance. So there's another mm-hmm. system gone out of whack. Um, it does tie into the, uh, I'll say the female hormones, although men have the specific one, progesterone as well. So progesterone is known as a female hormone, but men have it as well. Um, and it, as it happens, it's literally the precursor. It's the raw material for all of the adrenal hormones. So it's not just a sex hormone. It's the source of cortisol and all mm-hmm. the other multiple adrenal hormones. So if a woman doesn't have enough progesterone, her adrenals and uh, adrenals and her immune balance are going to be pulled down. So each one tips the other over until, you know, anybody who's lived through this knows you're feeling like you've got a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Things start getting bad and then they keep getting worse and now you can't sleep and you don't have any energy, but you're exhausted, you know, uh, exhausted, but wired, but tired is, is actually a phrase to describe mm-hmm. how it feels. Okay. You can't sleep, but you can't, can't relax yeah. and you can't do anything. Interesting. So, so yes, so totally connected with inflammation and the chronic inflama- inflammatory diseases that so mm-hmm. many people suffer from. So the adrenals are right there. And again, they seem to be the ones that take the first hit often because of the way we live. Right. So after that, it's sort of a domino because then they're weak and then other yeah, things right. get pulled out of balance. So how does, how can cannabis help with these issues? Like, what have you found? Because, I mean, we're obviously, you know, we didn't get to that part of your path yet, but from Mm -hmm. 2003 onward, like, how did you get into studying how cannabis is, or or marijuana is Mm -hmm. uh, a healthy component to help create better balance and avoid less pharmaceuticals? Because I know Mm -hmm. that in, in my experience, the more prescriptions that I'm prescribed, yeah. the ten, 10 more symptoms come up. The less healthy I mean, there's, I mean, yeah. it, it might solve one. It's like whack-a-mole to right. me. It's like, why, it if it does the is, thing you want it to do, that's good. But then you get but all these what? other exactly. negative side effects. That's exactly. Right. Yep. So I know that you started studying and brought marijuana into your, mm-hmm. um, into your, like, so, so let's say your data, you know, your, your data sets awareness. to start. Your yeah. awareness. Yeah. Yes. What was that like? So that was uh, that was really out of the blue for me because it was it did happen in 2009 when all of a sudden I, I didn't know what this meant there were all of a sudden dispensaries and again mm-hmm. for people who may or may not have been in Colorado at the time there wasn't any particular event that triggered all of a sudden all these uh, dispensaries opening in Colorado other than the fact that there was a new administration in Washington mm-hmm. so with. Uh, President Obama coming in, a lot of people said, oh, he's going to be a lot easier on the marijuana industry. He's going to call the DEA back and we won't have as many raids and so forth. Well, that didn't turn out to be true at all. Mm. But because people believed it would be true, all of a sudden dispensaries were opening under the Colorado rules. There, there, There was this amendment to the Constitution that laid out a framework whereby people could sell marijuana to patients who mm-hmm. had a card. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't any regulation in the state yet. The, reg- the big regulatory bills uh, came in in 2010. So in 2009, it was kind of wide open and all of a sudden it was exploding. And so Mm. that's when I became aware of it. It seems, Mm -hmm. I mean, from the vantage point now, I can't believe I didn't know anything about it at that time.
time. And so literally it was people saying, oh, well, you know, these dispensaries need doctors to sign yeah. people for cards because otherwise they can't buy right. their product. So right. right away we're in that loop. Right. But so I said, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe I could see what that's about. Um, and then uh, it was just simply by uh, talking to uh, patients in that setting and mm-hmm. asking them. So you're using the marijuana, you know, and so you say it helps you and then learning, like saying, wow, really, it does that. And then it does that too and does the other thing. And then saying, I remember thinking, how can this possibly be true? How can something that's well, it's not a pharmaceutical, but something that's all, certainly so reviled, how can it actually do so much, so many more things than pharmaceuticals do and, and uh, not kill people? and not cause all these side effects, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's the same yeah, thing so about people skeptical. are just, I, I mean, was skeptical. Yeah. I, I think everybody is on some level in terms of the true medicinal impact. And you don't realize you it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and certainly if a person's used marijuana, used THC, the biggest thing they may remember is the psychoactive effect. Mm-hmm. If they had chronic pain, that might not be the biggest thing. It might be the relief of pain that they experienced. But if somebody doesn't have pain, they have no idea. So if you don't have pain, you don't know that THC relieves pain. You mm-hmm. just know that it can make you high. So people fix it in because so many substances will really do just one major thing. They won't do this whole set of things. So if right. it makes you high, isn't that all it does? No, actually, it actually you know relaxes muscles and settles seizures and blocks pain and settles nausea and on and on. Um, so that's when I, I had to, you know, I, I, I looked into it more and heard this term endocannabinoid system, and then I was really hooked. I said, this is incredible. Is that CBD? That means CBD? No, it oh, doesn't. Interesting. Um, endo, yeah, so uh, CBD would be cannabidiol. That's right. Cannabidiol. One of the, that gotcha. would be one of yes. the cannabinoids in yeah. cannabis. Okay. But our endocannabinoid system is the reason why these plants have the effects they do, because... You know, we, we, we do hear um, how there's no dose that's been found that could kill a person. Like they've is done. that is that true? Statistically, are you you are not aware of a single case where somebody has overdosed on marijuana and then overdosed and died? Right? No, like overdosed or even and died. have liver liver damage or not a single one. There are none. There are none. Okay, I, now, of I wasn't course, aware of There that. are many people who have died with cannabis in their system, but it's not. So the correlation. Not caught, it's not caused by cannabis. That's right. Though. No, this is. Like, I this mean, is, people can, can crash their car or have another side. Or, or they could be or, or incredibly sick. Like, they or get too sick, much yeah. edible. They'll be puking their guts out, right? They'll be incredibly yeah. unhappy and uncomfortable and wonder what the heck just happened. But they won't be harmed. And um, mm. Dr. Uh, Gordon, I know. Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned that reason probably that cannabis cannot be lethal is because there are not cannabinoid receptors in the respiratory and heart centers. So the part of the brain that keeps us breathing is actually suppressed by opiates. And that causes that dangerous respiratory depression. And, and by benzodiazepines, very dangerous together. THC cannabinoids in general are not going to have any effect on that center. I mean, it does affect heart rate and breathing in certain other ways, but not to the extent that it's actually going to shut down your functions. It's mm. not able to do it. And the, I mean, again, unfortunately, animal experiments or monkey experiments where they gave them as much as they could, um, they, the monkeys, let's see, these are old experiments and kind of, um, uh, sort of disrep- dated. disrepute yeah. because... Yeah. Uh, they were actually trying to get monkeys to smoke 
a lot of marijuana. And okay. so they dosed them so high that they said these monkeys were damaged by asphyxiation, not even by THC. So they were just, they had to push the dose so extremely. Right. So it's true. There's no, uh, there, there's been no death. There's no overdose death risk. I think it's very fair to say. And that's so important for people to know. So there are some mm. well-established facts. Even people who, you know, are not necessarily in favor of it would have a hard time, in favor of it, would have a hard time to, um, you know, discount these facts. So let's talk about, from your perspective, um, the issue about addiction, like, mm. some, you know, people getting addicted to marijuana and whether or, not, whether or not that even is a problem, because there are a lot of regular pharmaceuticals that we are prescribed for sleep or for other things that are actual, are addictive. Yeah. Are addictive. And I think that, you know, having that conversation is the same as having this conversation without any of it, because I think any substance that we, our body comes to rely upon is hard, right? It's it's a hard mm. it's a hard thing to acknowledge that I might be using a product that if I don't have it, my body's going to go through extreme harm because I'm addicted to it. What are your thoughts about that with marijuana? So, uh, uh, there are different kinds of addiction for mm-hmm. sure. And so, what you had just mentioned there, where say it's applied to marijuana, somebody's using cannabis, using marijuana, maybe in high mm-hmm. doses, and they're getting certain benefits they feel, but they're worried maybe. I should see what it's like without it. Um, there wouldn't be illness from withdrawal. So that's one thing. Okay. Withdrawal, uh, physical symptoms would be very mild. It might be some temperature shifts like hot flashes actually because yeah. it affects the autonomic nervous system yeah. or um, not sleeping as well at night for a while or feeling stomach a little more queasy as as the receptors clear out, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be, okay, I'm sick now because I don't have marijuana. Mm. It would be, I'm sick because my symptoms are coming back that were managed. So people absolutely feel worse if their pain and spasm was controlled and managed and they're sleeping well with the cannabis, then they're going to do worse without it, but not because they're going through a a withdrawal reaction or say with benzodiazepines, it can take very long for the body to adjust. So a person will be sick from withdrawal for a long time, but that's not the case with cannabis. So that's one aspect Mm. of addiction, I think. So um, a couple other aspects would be, so what is addiction, right? So we know now that people can be addicted to a process, like doing something, there's, um, you know, gambling, or so it's not a substance, it's a process, or just, um, you know, addicted to avoiding something you're supposed to do and that's Mm -hmm. called procrastination and there's a reward you know there's a reward cycle there's something involved in there and so we i think we've expanded our understanding of addiction to include those things Mm -hmm. so in in that context yes so thc some people will become perhaps emotionally dependent i think uh, that's probably the biggest area of addiction of emotionally feeling like you can't get through without it or there's something something there that you really want and if um, if we think about the nine percent statistic that's reported as far as a, a risk of addiction to cannabis, um, maybe that's an area where that is. I, I, I it seems to me that there are some people who run into trouble and they want to stop marijuana and they really can't. I'm thinking of young people especially. Yeah. Um, so they're like, you know, I need to stop using the weed, but I just keep using it, and so that would be an addiction that's that's troubling that person, and so you have some negative effects. Um, But then if an addiction uh, isn't having particular negative effects, I want to bring in now the example of caffeine. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Do you know any caffeine addicts? <laughs> Maybe one let's or just two. Look around and count. Maybe one or two. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might be one. <laughs> so that's a physical yeah. addiction and yeah. possibly a psychological one because it kind of lifts it your totally, mood as well. It totally is. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of days when my routine is disrupted in the afternoon, like I have extended meetings or I'm someplace that I'm normally am not during the week, and I realize oh, I didn't have a coffee or I didn't have a, a cup of tea or something yeah. in the afternoon by like three or four o'clock, I'm like, oh. And I'm tired. What is going on? And I realized I didn't, I have like a cup of caffeine in the morning and one after lunch. I'm like, oh man, I don't like it that I feel like that. I get, so now mm. I, I, I so try not to have a habit up. of it. So, yeah. so it is always so feeling disrupted. disrupt that physical Yeah, I dependence. just try to disrupt that it all That is a physical time, dependence. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, there's the classic caffeine headache, like a very bad yeah. headache when you finally get to three days out. Yeah. And so after a while, it's like, is it even worth it? But so yeah. <laughs> I, I am a caffeine addict, yeah. I must confess. Yes. Um, but so that's one that, you know, is very mild or certainly... Um, it's socially acceptable um, and yeah. perhaps doesn't cause a lot of problems in people's lives unless they're hurting their stomach. You know, caffeine and coffee can, yeah. can cause problems. So if we put cannabis or marijuana addiction within that whole spectrum, then when we talk about addiction, some people, again, may um, be more susceptible to, say, an emotional de- dependence that is mm-hmm. causing problems where mm-hmm. they're really using it when they should be doing other things. Yeah. Um, but then, but physically, no, it, there, there isn't, there's not that, that, that chemical dependency, no, that chemical dependency so, or the, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's gone. It's clears out in a few weeks and then yeah. you're done. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. I know that i I mean, it's unique to be able to talk to you, um, mm-hmm. as a physician and as a physician that is monitoring and providing oversight to mm-hmm. your patients, patients that are using cannabis. Mm-hmm. I think that this is fantastic. So thank you for thank what you're you. doing. I know that we need a whole lot more of you, but you are blazing the trail. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I know that there are lots of questions people have on how to navigate their own path with their medical practitioners. So if they, mm-hmm. well, well, first let's tell people that you primarily um, work out of the Colorado Springs area, yes. but you have a Western Slope clinic as well. It's uh, actually middle. Uh, so what do we call that? It's um, middle Western it, Slope. I don't. What's the name of the town? Uh, Buena Vista. Buena Vista. Chafee County. Okay. Yeah. Which so, is the Arkansas Valley. So people can come in and see you though. They can come Absolutely. in from anywhere. You, we were just talking earlier about someone coming in to see you from Canada. They can Canada. come from out of state. Yeah. From Canada. We've had families come from Mexico. So they can register as your patient, come see you. You will do a... Establish that. Establish. Yep. They review their records, get, make sure I have the whole history, discuss, you know, what they've done before. So get up to speed on, on their situation. So let's just be clear. You are not just providing medical cards. So anybody that has the idea that you're going to look up Dr. Getty and and get a medical card, I'm telling you right now, don't do that. Um, Because I'll ask a lot of questions that might annoy you if all you want is to get your card. (laughs) Why are you asking me all these questions? I kind of like that. Um, So, but they can come and see you and, and discuss their body as a whole, what they're going through as a whole, what possibly, like what dosage, what product, what percentage, because right now a big question we have is around percentages. I, mm. you know, I tested out a, a, a topical product today because I have a little tear in my trap and mm. I'm still learning the differences between the CBD to THC percentages and, and how mm. that creates an impact on the body. And I think that people yeah. just don't know. Just I mean, so, and it keeps evolving. We've learned so much about how to put the products together, and new products are coming out every day. Still, like literally, this is happening like every day. And it it's is. only been in the last four years that this information has become so prevalent, so well documented. And that's and, and not a lot. Awareness, right? No, I mean, if we think compared time. to what we've been practicing medicine for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, although this plant has been used in a bunch of different ways in those years, yeah. just not mainstream or legal a bunch of those yeah. years. Yeah. But now that it is, 
if somebody can't get to you, how would they find a doctor mm. in their area that would that would help them? That would work not, with them that yeah. way. It's it's tough. It, it it's it is a bit disappointing to me. Although I understand probably the reasons why, just that there aren't more doctors who do engage in the way that I feel is important. Um, there are at least two doctors in California that I know are good, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I guess I don't really have a good answer. Other than I mean, there are more and more educational materials, and something that I have uh, worked on offering because exactly of this issue is more educational materials for patients. So, yeah. so one thing I did do for especially the families of children with seizures was several years ago do a course, a telecourse with audio and so forth that people can download called How to Use Cannabis Oils for Epilepsy. And that was for people who couldn't come to clinic, who wanted mm-hmm. to be my patient but really couldn't for whatever reason. So they were able to work through that and at least get some guidelines for dosing. But still, um, you know, that's putting all the responsibility in the hands of the patient. Yeah. So it really, right. I, I think that it's a process of, of uh, practitioner training and just the evolution we're going through where if the pre- federal prohibition is lifted, if and when, yeah. then it will really change things for practitioners. Yeah. And then they will say, now I can talk about it. I have so many questions. Like there's just that chill again, the chilling effect of the prohibition. Well, is, it because, is it because, well, let's, can I, can I ask some free questions about licensing, medical licensing? Oh, sure. So, is your medical is your medical license at risk by violating the federal government's law on marijuana? I mean, is this something you face? Um, no, and okay. so because again, it's it's kind of that fine line. But literally, a doctor talking about marijuana and doing a recommendation is not violating federal law, not violating it. There was a a, a, a court judgment in two thousand three also yeah. that said uh, physicians have the right to speak. Uh, it's not the same as providing a drug. Physicians have the right mm. to speak about marijuana, and uh, patients have the right to receive that speech. It's even more important for the patients to hear it because they don't know. The doctor, it's just their career, you know, but the patient, it could be their life. So um, so uh, that's, some, that's a misconception. People say, well, if you talk about marijuana, the DEA will pull your registration. Well, no, they wouldn't because every doctor who does recommend marijuana is required by the state of Colorado to have their DEA registration. I mean, I would know if mine was being pulled, yeah. you know. So, so there are a lot of things. There's a little bit of fear-mongering, I think, toward doctors mm-hmm. in that way, um, thinking, is it illegal to do this? There, but a doctor is not fi- violating federal law, although for that patient then to go obtain the marijuana, yes, that is. Um, but the doctor hasn't done because it. Because, but you, you I mean you're not providing it. You're not providing a script. You're providing mm-hmm. oversight for a patient. Mm-hmm. It's the same as um, uh, I have a friend, you know, a, a friend and a colleague whose fa- a family member was facing a very serious addiction to a chemical dependency, mm-hmm. and they had very frank, open discussions with their doctor about it. Yeah, like right. literally about the fact that this person is addicted to this drug, and they were talking about a solution to the problem, but they still talked about it. They, yeah. it, it wasn't in their best interest. But it's not as if the doctor said, "Oh, I can't talk to you about I can't that even because, talk about that. yeah, because that's a violation." And I, I kind of feel like it's the same way in the sense that right now, until things change at the federal level, mm-hmm. there's not going to be prescriptions right. given. There's not going to be product handed. It's going and, to be. An oversight, and I want I want our doctors to know what we're putting in What's our going body. on, yeah. and that that sense that doctors aren't allowed to talk about it literally does come from uh, the context of their practice. So, I have my own independent practice. There's nobody saying where well, all our policy is. You can't talk about it because we take federal money, we take federal funds. Mm. That's the risk. People are really mm. worried that they'll get penalized mm-hmm. if uh, because there's the war on drugs, and you're supposed to 
draw a certain line and do certain things. And so if they cross that line, they're worried that it will impact their federal arrangements. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not literally illegal, but many physicians and practitioners are told, no, you can't talk about that. That's our rule. Uh, Again, not because it's illegal, even though they may get that impression, but because of a policy decision based on fear of, again, retaliation, if you will, by the federal government. So it's that, it's that tangle, it's that wind. And um, again, that would start to come apart if anybody's listening, (laughs) if and when federal prohibition is lifted. Yeah, thanks. Well, I really appreciate you so much. Um, tell tell our listeners how they can find you online or your website mm-hmm. to find more information. Sure. Yep. I am um, online at www.gettyholehealth.com, the name of my practice, Getty Whole Health. Uh, you can actually email me directly. I'll go ahead and give that one. Nice. It's mgetty at gettyholehealth.com. Great. I'll put on that in the Thank show you. notes as well. Yep. And then my socials, actually, I still need to give you those, but yeah. they were on the slide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but but people can contact you. They can come and see yep. you. They can visit the information that you've posted online. And listen, mm-hmm. for those of you that are listening, start with talking to your doctor. You know, if you have questions or you feel that this might be a solution or you have not explored what is actually possible with cannabis and your health, Talk to your physician, and if they're not helpful or knowledgeable or they feel that they don't have enough information to give it to you, you can find a way to get in touch with Dr. Getty. Of course, you can come visit her in Colorado, <laughs> or, you know, I I think that, you know, you should also look in your area if you're somewhere else in the United yeah. States, because we would hope to see that over time that medical practitioners are going to bring this in they're more. open up. I mean, controversy or not, I, if you have not explored, if you live with chronic pain or illness or disease, or you are not at optimal health, which is a lot of a Americans, lot of um, look at your options, you know, consider this as an option because I can tell you firsthand as most of us can, that we all know somebody who has had, you know, really bad experiences or addiction with pharmaceuticals. So we want to avoid that as our, yeah. as, as our first option. Um, so get in touch with Dr. Getty. So thank you so much for joining thank me. Thank you so much. Tavali. Appreciate it. And appreciate guys, stay it. tuned. We have one more interview coming up. We're going to be talking with Leaf 411, mm-hmm. which is going to now, I think, beautifully transition where people can go next to yes. get information. That's on a good the answer fly. to your question. Good answer to the <laughs> yeah, question. Wonderful. Yes. Thank so you. So we'll bring on them on next. But thank you so much. I appreciate you. Absolutely. still at the amazing Elevated Wellness Conference in Denver, where we are talking about cannabis in the medical community and how more medical practitioners and integrative therapists can bring cannabis into their businesses and really expand what we can provide in terms of treatment for patients. So I'm really excited. This is our our third sit down of the day and we've saved the best for last. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining me. And I have Catherine and Stacy, or I called you Stacy, Jennifer. (laughs) Well, I don't know what just happened other than I've talked to a lot of people today. We have Catherine and Jennifer from Leaf 411 with me. Thank you guys. Oh, thank you for having us. There's a few, well, there's a bunch of topics I want to talk to you about, but mm-hmm. most importantly, what I like that you guys provide is this idea of 411 being 
an informational service. I mean, most people can associate 411 yes. with being that. And the fact that you've done it for cannabis is mm-hmm. incredible because there are so many questions. I mean, we've come across them today right. in my previous, you know, interviews that I've done. And just even as myself, as a patient, as a user, as a person in the community and as a mom, right. like, I now know that there are resources out there to get answers to questions that I don't think a lot of people know that they have available to them. Right, right. And that's what, you know, Jennifer and I realized uh, early on is that we were missing that, even going further back, that first step of mm-hmm. education and resources is what was missing. So as we've heard today at this conference, there's there are practitioners and there are groups that do a really great deep dive into Cannabis 101. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of people know where those exist. So how do you find that information? And that's where Jennifer and I decided that we needed that first step resources that, you know, you are here, mall map dot of, let me figure out what you really need and direct you to that um, place um, while giving you some basic cannabis education to, to give you the language too to know what you truly are looking for. Yeah. Cannabis is a journey mm-hmm. and we think of it a lot like taking a piano lesson or learning a foreign language. You don't take one lesson and say, oh, well, I'm in French. I've had mm-hmm. one lesson. So it's practice. It's learning new vocabulary. It's understanding that and translating it and knowing how that's going to work for you. And it's a process because every body is different and reacts right. to cannabis differently. And when so many of the trained cannabis medical professionals charge, you know, on average $300 an hour to talk mm. to them, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, right. And it's hard to justify going in and saying for $300, you could ask any questions you want, but you don't know what to ask. And even when uh, they would send specific instructions back with patients, there's still then more questions. Yeah. And we really felt like the clinicians in this space who are really trying to do the right thing and help patients and ask questions and actually treat. Do do more than just you've got pain, right. you know, wink, I'll take your $75 and give and you a card. Give right. you a card. Yeah. 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 And don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. I like a cheap and easy renewal, but there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who actually have need co- help. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They need help. They need guidance. Exactly. They need guidance. Yeah. And part of why we decided to build Lee 411 as a nonprofit specifically was because of affordability, affordability and accessibility, right. because either the good doctors aren't anywhere near you. A or B, you can't afford to talk to them as often as you need to, even if you could. So, And we're going to get into that, to the 501c3 part in just a minute. But let me, um, for our audience's sake, let me just identify that that's Jennifer, that's you speaking. And Catherine, so I will address you guys with questions or just say maybe your name in advance so people know they can differentiate voices. Because we we do have video. We could say hi to everybody that's watching (laughs) us on video. But most people will be listening to this on Mm -hmm. an audio version. Okay. Um, So let's take it back a step and let me ask you all, actually start with you, Catherine. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in... In doing what you're doing in the medical field, I'll let people sure. hear yes. from you. Yes, so I've been a registered nurse for 22 years, mm-hmm. and I've been in cannabis medicine for three now. So my journey started with a family member being diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and in his 40s, non-smoker, two kids in high school, and my sister, obviously, and my entire family were devastated. Um, given two to five years to live, what do I do? So mm-hmm. cannabis was thrown around. I was um, not a user. 
Um, it just didn't work for me, and I was extremely judgmental about it and about people who used it because I just didn't, I just believed everything that I had read or the propaganda. You saw it just like a drug, like just, just a drug like a to drug. become intoxicated, like intoxicated, you would, yeah. impaired, and just yeah. not motivated and mm-hmm. doing nothing. So, um, so I started doing the deep dive into the validity of cannabis once um, it was thrown around as it would be a last resort uh, uh, medicine to use. Um, because the physicians didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So, um, and that's where my journey began because once I did see that there was actual science and there are very well-known physicians and scientists doing really good work proving that there are health benefits to cannabinoids, um, that's when I was really angry that this Mm -hmm. had been, I felt, Mm -hmm. been withheld from the medical community like ourselves, professionals, to share this with our public that really are looking for alternative treatments. Yeah, I mean, and there's a thousand reasons why it's been withheld, and we won't get into yes. that today because that's a, a that's that's a much longer it conversation. Is. But um, your dis, your path to discovery is interesting because you faced it from a medical perspective yes. right from the beginning, right? And being a medical professional yourself as a registered nurse, mm-hmm. um, you have a different perspective. So, I do, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you know. We are skeptics at nature, and we should be. You know, our job is to protect the public and to caution you. Um, the benefits, the consequences, good or bad, of what you're ingesting into your body. So, you know, I wasn't going to just hear that cannabis could be something and then and then advocate for it. No, I needed to see the science, and that's what we do. Gotcha. Um, okay, so Jennifer, let's hear about your background and how did you get involved? Yeah, I actually got into cannabis starting as a patient. Keep going. Um, I was in a severe car accident. 10 years ago, and you were. which left me addicted to 13 different narcotics oh and opiates. Goodness. And when I went to my physician that happily prescribed that for me uh, and asked questions about cannabis to start getting off of those, I was turned away. I don't know anything. It's federally illegal. The same thing we've mm. heard over mm-hmm. and over again. And I went out looking for answers, and thankfully I'm off all of those medications using cannabis, which is a huge feat. And I had to do a lot of that searching for answers on my own. And my professional background is as a small business developer. So I actually started educating, you know, neighbors, friends, family, Mm -hmm. and quickly realized that while I had learned a lot, it was a drop in the bucket of what somebody like Catherine, a trained medical professional who's also trained in cannabis, knows. And rather than trying to uh, educate myself, I decided to lend my professional background towards building something that helped other people have what I wish I had had when I started. So let me ask you, I mean, was that your, was that your first option for handling the fact that you were on a whole bunch of different pharmaceuticals? Um, Was cannabis your first stop? Meaning, okay, I know this is a problem. This is not where I want to be. I need a solution. Was it the first thing you looked at or were there others in between that you tried? Maybe other pharmaceuticals that would take away five and replace it with one or maybe integrative therapies. Yeah. Nobody starts on 13 narcotics and opiates. It always starts with one. And then there's the other prescriptions that go along with that. And you start working off of the prescriptions that are addressing the side effects of the original Mm. medications you're on. And, And you start there, but it was more so, I just felt like I was 
kept being given band-aids. Oh, well, as long as you're not feeling these symptoms of whatever's going on, then you're fine. And I, there was nothing about how I felt was fine. And legalization on the rec side had just happened. Uh, medicinal had already been there, but it had just not occurred to me because I just thought, oh, marijuana. Yeah, we don't look. We don't look. We don't. It's not on our bucket list of solutions. Yeah, it, no. Or it wasn't. Well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Thank you. <laughs> I'm yeah. correcting that. Nobody yeah. had ever suggested it to yeah. me. Not a medical professional. That's for sure. And so when I had gone to my practitioner and said, you know, I've just kind of. You're my first stop. I thought this if this is medicine, I should be able to just go to my doctor and find out. And I was truly amazed at the response I got back. And I had to start investigating why, why doesn't he want anything to do with it? And what does that mean for everybody else who's interested in getting off of their opiates and narcotics? Who else is giving mm-hmm. out this information? I was surprised to find out that the majority of the people educating weren't medical professionals. Why is that? And what can I help do about that Mm, to involve medical professionals in the conversation like I wish I had had? Right. It's interesting because I, you know, the majority of the people listening to this podcast are likely not medical professionals. They're likely patients, you know, people that face all types of chronic illness, disease, injury, all of those things. And it's still not easy from a patient's perspective to know where to go to get the information that you need. And so, I mean, that's one thing that really fascinates me about LEAF 411 is that from a patient perspective, Mm -hmm. I have the ability to access your resource, which I want to hear about in a moment, and and get some answers. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping at some point you will also have a database included in there of doctors and yes, registered yes, nurses that that are specializing in cannabis yes. because to me this actually more lends towards the whole body wellness yeah. and you know this is functional medicine we're talking right. about and that shift towards functional medicine makes my heart happy yeah. <laughs> yeah. getting it's, to the root cause yes. yes we've spent too long not looking mm-hmm. at the root cause yeah. right and I, I know that you guys don't know me very well but my listeners for those of you that know the story I'm, I apologize for having to share with you again <laughs> but um, so you guys know you know I have had 12 major surgeries I have half the organs mm. that I was born with wow um you know, the, the tumors that have been repaired mm-hmm. required me to take hormone therapy, which um, grew a tumor in my breast, which then it turned into staph infection, which went wow. into my lymph system. Mm. And so it was a series of all kinds of things. And then after that, you know, the doctor's like, well, we now have a growth in your lymph system. It's time to have a biopsy. And I literally, everything in my body just said, stop. Right. Okay, this has been one surgery after another, more meds, more surgeries, more meds. I don't have any more organs to give up. Yeah. I, you can't take any more pieces of me. Now, I understand that the reason why I had, you know, the dis-ease in the first place still needed to be addressed. But at that point, I needed a, to embrace healing. And so my doctor was pretty good when I went in and said no. Um, I literally just said, no, you're not putting in more needles or taking any more parts of me to test. Anything. No, no. She sent me a, to a traditional Chinese doctor and mm. um, allowed me to go through the process to really look at the whole mm-hmm. system. And I guess there's something that happens to your body when you put it to sleep 12 times and you know take away half of its functioning parts that need a little repair. Right. So <laughs> I went on a journey to heal. And actually, that was the first time I think that in my entire life at the time, mm. any, any medical practitioner looked at my body as a whole. Mm. And that I have, since that time, I've feel better than I ever have. And I'm, I'm doing great. I'm healthy and I'm fine. But I think that that has been missing for a long yes, time. Yes, yes. And I, I am a big fan of functional medicine and I'm a big fan of the whole, the whole, the whole body as a system. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Okay, so that is my story. <laughs> like I said, my listeners have heard it a few times, but um, you know, I'm happy to share that with you guys because I want you to know that I'm a living example of right. that. Right. Um, so let's talk about how you guys met. Okay. Well, we met at a uh, cannabis physician's office, so I was there. I was their head nurse, and um, you know, working with patient patients and patient care, and that's. And then Jennifer came in to um, help that organization with their business development, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. how we met. So uh, we were trying, again, my efforts were to help somebody else, a medical professional trained on both sides of this to help build their business to reach more people. And Catherine and I started talking and what we saw was good, but what we realized was we still ran into the affordability and accessibility issues with that model. And Catherine had this great idea of let's reach some more people and here's how we're going to do mm-hmm. that. And so we've, we feel like we're the dynamic duo because mm-hmm. neither of us can do what we're right. doing right now. It's on a our true own. collaboration. Well, and that's yeah. true. I love it. Yes, I love it because so much. In yeah. nursing school or even medical school, they don't teach you business. You know, you're learning about the body, chemistry, biology, physiology. You're not learning how to run any sort of business. Mm-hmm. But then, so what happens when you have, you see this need and you see there's this hole to fill. You know, uh, you meet someone as fantastic as Jennifer who's got that business background. Mm-hmm. And then we collaborate together and say, okay, how can we how can we turn this into something? And, you know, it, so you, like she's saying, we couldn't do this without each other. Yeah. There has to be this combination. Yeah. So tell our listeners um, exactly what Leaf 411 provides. Yeah. So, because I feel like we've been like hinting at yeah, it this whole time. Exactly. We're talking, I'm like, yeah. it's like it's like time. It's time. Yeah, it's Let's time. tell them what yeah. it is. Yeah. So for free, anyone can call and speak to a cannabis trained medical professional. So it's a free cannabis nurse hotline. Yep. It's putting medical professionals trained in cannabis on the front lines for people to call and ask a wide variety of questions to be that starting resource that says. Um, I need a little edu- education, but then even if I knew what to do, where do I go? And we want to be all of that. So it's educational, it's directional, it's taking the experience that our nurses have and providing specific answers to specific questions mm. that so many people struggle when there's so much misinformation right. and you don't know where to begin. How do you even begin to know what's true when different things are telling you opposing information. So nurses, even more than other medical professionals, and to be very clear, we're not diagnosing, uh, Mm -hmm. we're not providing medical cards and doing evaluations. It's education and directional service. But who better than a nurse who, as a profession, has been voted for the last 17 years in a row the most trusted profession with all your surgeries, you go yeah. in, mm-hmm. who do you remember is the person Always who sat nurse. with you yeah. exactly yeah. the whole time and took care of you. And Catherine, you so eloquently <laughs> state the role of nursing in this space. I'd love for you to share that and why we pick nurses. Yeah. So, you know, what is, what do we do? You know, the core of what we do and it's number one is we can triage that caller or we can triage that patient or uh, that person that has questions and we can really get to back going to functional medicine, we can really get to the root of what they are looking for. Mm-hmm. What do they need? So we can do that and then we can, we can guide them. And it, 
you help them understand the language. So when we're in, say, a hospital setting, you know, we are that person that or orchestrates everything. Mm-hmm. So we talk to the practitioners, whether it's occupational therapists, um, you know, uh, physicians. We understand with their language what needs to happen with the patient. Then we go to the patient and the family of that patient and translate that mm-hmm. into a language they understand. Mm-hmm. So they understand what all of these other practitioners are needing from them. Then we take what the patient says again and the family and their concerns and take and turn it into medical language to where now the practitioners understand. So mm-hmm. we're we're that go-between that helps orchestrate all of this. So, you know, who better than us as a profession to have our ear to the phone and listening to our public's questions, concerns, and then guiding them. This is Jennifer again. So to give you an idea of what that looks like, because it's great in theory, but people want to know, okay, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. So let's say you were just recently diagnosed with MS, for example, and you've heard that cannabis can be beneficial for that. So you can call and speak to one of our nurses, and not only are we going to talk to you about cannabis and your symptoms and talk, discuss what your end goals are. Are you trying to treat? Mm-hmm. Is it your symptoms? What are you wanting from it? But then we're going to hopefully connect you to a cannabis and MS support group, and we're going to connect you to a cannabis-trained physician who's going to help you. We're going to help translate uh, questions and tell you, here's how you're going to go and talk to your uh, doctor who's helping you on all this other stuff because they probably don't know. It has to be know. together. It has exactly. to be integrated. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let our nurses be that go-between so that you really feel like you're supported in this space, not just with education, which as a patient, you understand mm-hmm. this. It's so empowering to feel like I can be my own best advocate and that I know how to talk to the people who are in charge of my care because I'm finally one of them. Mm-hmm. And I, that was so big for me when I felt like I was left out of the loop and had no help. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately what we want to provide is for people to be their own best advocates for their health and just be made aware of what resources are available to them that they may not know that exists. I think that's probably one of the greatest assets that a patient can have is knowing yeah. what what resources are available to them. And it's not that you're going to use them all, but it's because it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, having the ability to call and will you guys actually recommend like dosages and you can't recommend dosages. Mm -mm. You can't recommend product. Um, Product. We can talk about um, different products that's out there. You know, if somebody has a question about a product, I'm going to want them to read me that package so I can start helping them with that language that's on that, that package. But yes, we can talk about, Uh, products that are out there, dispensaries that are close to them. What we also want to help provide is information about compliant and uh, compliant manufacturers. You know, Mm. there's right now, you know, with what's happening um, in the black market, we want to really tell the public that there are wonderful manufacturers making uh, legitimate products and not making false claims mm-hmm. and things like that. So we want to be able to educate them on how to look for those different manufacturers. Yeah. yeah. And this is Jennifer again. That is actually something really important to the conversation happening around, uh, right now around CBD. Mm-hmm. So marijuana is one side of the coin, and then hemp CBD is the other. And we can't talk about one and not talk about the other. And when you can buy CBD products in gas stations right. because it's not regulated the same way marijuana is in the States, 
red flags go up for the medical profession because we don't know what's going into these people's bodies Mm -hmm. and maybe Mm -hmm. there's no CBD in it at all. And that's not even the worst of it. What else? Pesticides, solvents, what else is in there? And really our fear is that people are going to start making themselves sick because they don't know how to find a quality product Mm -hmm. and they then don't know how to use it. And then the FDA comes in and says, well, CBD obviously is very scary and there's a lot of people misusing. So let's start, uh, you know, cracking down on things and we're big advocates for compliance and testing yeah. and safety. And that's part of what we want to do is pun intended weed through yeah. what does a good product look like? What is a certificate of analysis? How do you know for yourselves what makes a good product? And if they don't provide one of those, there's a big red flag right, for you. Right. So when you can purchase it on Amazon, purchase it anywhere, here's a guiding force to here's what to look for. And that's important from a patient perspective. I I mean, so you, you at the beginning talked about affordability Mm -hmm. and accessibility to information. Mm -hmm. So LEAF 411 addresses affordability because it's free. Yes. So access, and is it a 24 hour hotline? Hopefully down the road. It It all depends on funding. Yeah. Funding. Mm -hmm. Cause I know you guys have um, opened as a 501c3 and we're actually not going to be able to get into that, but I do want you to tell people where they can find you online. So if they want to make a donation or find out more, because you know, we Mm -hmm. have a lot of people that really support and advocate for the wellness of women um, on this show. And so I think that, you know, a lot of people listening would love to hear more about what you're doing at leaf 411. So please tell people where you're located online and on social and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, and we'd love to talk to you. So uh, Instagram and Facebook, it's at leaf L E A F. 411.org. And then our website is www.leaf411.org. Uh, so we're basically leaf411.org. We tried to make it nice Leaf-4-1. and easy yes. for you. So do you yeah. have an app or a desktop version or is it just a call-in? Um, it's just a call-in. Okay. So it is web optimized okay. uh, and we are rolling out a chat feature. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, specifically great. it's uh, AI enhanced. So it helps for after hours when the nurses aren't available uh, and then will help uh, while the nurses, the hotline is going, but Honestly, AI chat, that's never going to replace being able to just pick up the phone and talk to somebody. So Mm -hmm. we really want that to be a supplement. And honestly, we'd love to do an app and we'd love to move in more technology. But as Catherine and I have both been saying, accessibility and meeting everybody in a place where they can easily access what we're trying to provide was always key. Uh, We would love to do an app and build all of that, but we need funding to do that. So if there are people listening who say, this is great, we need more people, we need an app, we need that, sure, we would love to talk to you (laughs) as well. (laughs) Well, thank you both for your collaboration and for your efforts to provide this free service. I love that you're doing it as a nonprofit. And one thing that I'm going to end with, that I know that you said on stage, Jennifer, that really called to me was that, you know, coming together to do this as a nonprofit was your way of saying, 
to the industry mm-hmm. that listen, you are making a profit off consumer, mm-hmm. off consumer consumption, and so let's give something back, right. and let's all stand by the fact that this is this is uncharted territory for mm-hmm. us. This is this is new. So there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of data to gather. There's a lot of systems to put in place. Yep. And you guys have really stepped up to do something wonderful. And as a woman that really supports female entrepreneurs, I oh, congratulate you. You, you guys are you. doing amazing. Appreciate thank you. That. And for all of you listening, thanks for joining us at the Elevated Wellness Conference. I know that you have found a ton of great information in these ladies that I've interviewed. Do make sure that you visit their websites, check it out, and educate yourself. You know, take your power into your own hands and understand as a patient what you can do for yourself and how cannabis can be a part of your overall wellness. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all the exciting things that are happening because we're going to be bringing you new stuff on the Himalaya app, which is only going to be available there at different times as it comes out. So thank you again for listening. And I want to tell you one special thing about Himalaya. As a social impact entrepreneur, one thing I appreciate about them the most is that they are not only focused on you as the listener and what matters to you, but they allow you to support your favorite podcasters and we totally feel your love. So thank you very much. Studio provided by Be Creative Media and Learning Lab in Lakewood. This amazing video is provided by Janine at Tailwind Media. Podcast notes and editorial provided by the Podcast Maven and my friend Les helps with all the post-production. And if you're looking for information on any of this amazing tribe of people that help bring you the show, let me know and I'll be happy to get you their information. And you can find me, I'm Tauber Lee, and all that I do with Tauber Lee's tribe or at Corporate Cause Agency at Tauber Lee. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E dot com.